Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. The Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps create those endowment funds, but the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out and subscribe right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. sunshine (laughs) it is slowly returning to us so slowly i mean we've had sunny days even amidst the cold but we just went through another big cold snap and uh we're coming back out of it so it's getting nice again we are coming to the slow slow end of a canadian winter it's been it's been a weird winter because we've had ups and downs basically since winter started it was mild and then we had like a brief really intense cold snap and then mild and then a brief really intense cold snap and that's just been the cycle all winter yeah we we get like unseasonably mild like spring weather not above zero right nothing's melting there were a couple days days. there were a couple days but in general uh but like low single digits yeah Yeah. which is weird because normally it's colder than that certainly january february right and then the cold snaps though were like extremely cold snaps we're hitting like minus 30 and below like it was awful that's super cold celsius for yes any listeners who are using the fahrenheit's I said Canadian winter, and we've just come out of what is hopefully our final cold snap. Yeah, because we're getting close to springtime now. So. Yeah, we were getting in the in the minus 20s, between 20s and 30s range, and it was really cold and nobody really liked it. And then in the course of a day, we popped right back up into single digit temperatures. Yep. And it's wonderful, <laughs> but it was... That was a harsh turnaround right there. Yeah, that's been, again, that's been how it's been all winter so far. Yeah. But and I know there's been weird weather elsewhere as well because, you know, totally normal climate things are yes. happening. But now we've left February behind, right? We're all done with it. Yep. March is supposed to be the beginning of spring. I'm sure other places it's the beginning of spring. Mm-hmm. Here where we live in Edmonton, it's really just the like tail end of winter. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, it's slushy and muddy and gross and cold. Yes, it's the worst season. It is. Spring is horrible here. Spring is supposed to be, like, warmth and new life and stuff. And here, where we live, spring is cold and slushy and muddy and miserable and gray. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. And then summer happens and summer is lovely. Yeah. Summer, fall, Very and winter. Very late spring is nice because it's actually what spring is supposed to be. Summer, fall, and winter in Edmonton are lovely and spring is awful. And I, I think that's probably fair to say for a lot of places in Canada. <laughs> in and around where we live yeah. especially, yes. Don't really get much of a spring. You just kind of go from late winter to early summer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> but I mean, calendar-wise, we still have three months of spring. It's just weather-wise. Like <laughs> it doesn't quite it match up. I think of it as theoretical spring. Spring by date only. At any rate, gray clouds and wet weather are certainly what's going on in the book. 
uh, as we transition into our next chapter. But uh, before we get there, a brief recap of our previous chapter in which Addie has uh, a morning. A morning is definitely the way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, it, it sure was a morning. She gets set off because she discovers that all of her belongings were purloined by her erstwhile elven lover. Yeah. And uh, so she storms up to his security center and maybe accidentally breaks it, but not before noticing that there is a force of people heading towards Tor Camelot. And Dom retrieves her and takes her down for some breakfast. Side note, he does give her back most of her stuff. Most of her stuff. And then takes her to go and meet that force, which is where we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 24 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. I know recently we have not been talking so much about the chapter titles because they do play into the chapter a little bit, right? If you understand the nerd code, this chapter is called Leroy Jenkins. Yep. And I want to talk about that for the non-gaming nerds. The legend of Leroy Jenkins, as abridged as I can make it, in World of Warcraft, there was a group doing a dungeon raid and they were having trouble, right? Kept tackling this dungeon, couldn't get through it. One of their party screams his own name, Leroy Jenkins, and just goes barreling into the dungeon alone, leaving his party scrambling behind him going with various expletives, Leroy, no, come back. Yeah, they were they were doing a little strategy session, and then he basically went in and uh, <laughs> basically set all of the mobs off, and the party got completely wiped. Oh, yeah. His brash decision was like TPK. Everybody out. Yep. Nobody survived. And it became sort of a gaming legend. If you play video games at all, you've probably heard of Leroy Jenkins. Probably. That seems likely. Anyway, this chapter is titled Leroy Jenkins, which says to me that somebody somewhere is going into something unprepared and is probably going to die. Well, Die in air quotes. It's Die. it's uh, it's definitely going into a situation half cocked. We'll put it that way. Right. It's doing something really brash, and we'll get there. <laughs> but I just I really wanted to call that one out because even I, as I started the chapter, I'm like Leroy Jenkins. Oh, this does not bode well. Oh, something gonna happen now. Uh, this is definitely a shoe drop sort of chapter. We'll put it that way. Yes. Just at the end. That's we'll all. we'll get there. We'll get there. So Dom and. Addie and his honor guard set out from Riverhaven that morning and uh, basically ride for Tor Camelot through the day. They stop briefly for lunch, and that's really the only time they stop. They're and it's such an elven unicorns. lunch, too. It's like bread and cheese and, yeah. I think, wine. <laughs> Dom makes it clear that he's not riding with all of his people because he intends to parlay. Like his intention is that there should be no violence. He's very confident that he's going to be able to convince everybody to see things his way. And he is oozing this confidence for most of the chapter. Confidence or hubris? I would argue probably hubris. Yeah, it's definitely hubris. Like he's, oh, dude. <laughs> it's it's actually very well encapsulated at one point by an exchange between him and Addie, which I think underscores much of the chapter because Addie's got a bad feeling like she has a sense that things are coming to a head she's got like a knot in the pit of her stomach and she's getting more and more anxious the closer they get to the castle and Dom at one point is just like it's fine don't worry about it I will protect you 
And she replies with, you can't because you're not in control here. It's true. And that underscores the entire situation. Dom is under the mistaken impression that he is in control, that he's one step ahead of everyone else, and that he has everything in hand. Except he's not. We know he's not. Everyone knows he's not. He's the only one that doesn't know that he's not. He really does seem to be the only one who doesn't know that he's not in control here. And can we talk about the line of impending doom for a second? Sure. So they take in this beautiful vista, right? This beautiful, uh, like, glassy lake reflecting the castle over this beautiful uh, empty sky, right? Like, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And they're standing there looking at this thing. And she asks him, I forget what the exact question was. Uh, She asks him what makes him think he can do this. Yeah. And his reply is that it will work because I deserve it. Yeah. And I went, oh, no. Yeah. This is going to go very badly. (laughs) Oh, because I deserve it. Like, I can't even with that attitude. I just, I don't don't even have words. I don't even have words for it. Dom's attitude all through the ride actually reminds Addie very strongly of why she broke up with him. Oh my God, that (laughs) ego is not in check. She, uh, well, she's rubbed the wrong way by the fact that the two elven honor guard guys are referring to him as my lord his kind of patronizing attitude to her throughout the ride as he's trying to assure her that everything will be fine yeah but at some point it's condescending yeah it starts to rub her the wrong way oh yeah and by the time they reach tor camelot she's really like i think i remember why i broke up with dom (laughs) right and then finally the i said i wouldn't regret sleeping with him but and i'm like yes Go for it, no! Starting to regret that. Just to further underscore everything, when they arrive at the castle, Dom turns off her unicorn and it dawns on her that she was never actually in control of it the whole time. Nope. And she's like, that's just great. (laughs) Isn't that just everything? Isn't that just, the metaphor is strong. Yeah. But they do arrive and what they find waiting for them is basically everyone. They've even set up a little camp. And they are armed and ready for a fight. I didn't entirely understand the practical reasons for what happens right here. Because they were under the impression that Dom was coming to immediately take over the castle. They don't know that Addie hasn't told him the code. They well, don't know that Addie was kidnapped. Not until... Not until they get there. I know. They get know. there. So they were there to stop Dom from showing up en masse with his elven force and try to take the castle. The problem I have, obviously not Torres and his team, obviously not the Merc team. Mm-hmm. But everyone else shows up in, like, battle finery? It's a show of force. It's Tess and Arthur's teams showing that they are on side with one another against Dom. And that they are ready to fight to stop him from taking over the island. It's actually a strong message, even if they don't intend to fight. Okay. Yes, I do understand it is the strong message. And they knew they were coming because we saw a flying monkey earlier. I think I'm questioning the practicality of it. Well, it's practical when nobody has guns. That's what I mean. Like, there are mercenaries there with guns, with bullets in them. But there are four mercenaries with guns, and Dom has a team of, what, 20, 30 people? Well, not with him at this parlay. But they didn't know that he wasn't coming with them. Well, and we don't know that they're not following at an undisclosed distance behind him. And neither do Tess or Arthur's teams. I know. It's the weird collection of finery. A, I don't recall them packing that or making mention that they packed that. They've had a day. They've had a day. They've had a day to go and get their stuff. 
it just seems so unnecessarily classic battle. Like, it's just, to me, it's such a weird clash of this, like, medieval fantasy style and modern warfare. And it just felt weird. Yeah, but you have to remember that these are a bunch of nerds cosplaying. Yes. But they're cosplaying for keeps. Right? The and only, I think that's what The only me. adults in the room are Torres and his team. I know! And I'm including Addy in the list of not adults in the I room. I agree with you! <laughs> 100%. She at least has this grasp of reality. Yeah, she hasn't completely gone, like... Gone full employee, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, she's not given into the fantasy. She hasn't slipped down the slippery slope like the other three teams have here. But Dom is not here to fight at this time. And he kind of dismounts and heads over. And Torres and his team, of course, kind of take point here. I did love this part. Because you sort of expect this weird atmosphere of extreme tension. Yeah. Right? And Addie just wanders right over to Torres and she's like, look, I just want you to know I was kidnapped. That is <laughs> factually incorrect. She does not wander right over to Torres. She actually takes a third opposing side all by herself. Oh, that's true. She, she, keeps... does, she does take her distance from Dom. She takes a distance from Dom, but she does not immediately approach and just side with Torres. No, team. no, no. I'm not saying she like crosses the line. No. Not, not like that. But as opposed to picking one or the other yeah. and is surprisingly casual about it. Yeah. And she does go out of her way to say, Torres, whatever else goes down here, I just want this to be clear. I was kidnapped. I did not <laughs> switch sides. Yeah, I did not run away from you. Yeah. I did not walk out on this. I was kidnapped. And I'm wearing this because they offered me a hot bath. And I only have so much willpower. Yeah, which Torres admittedly is very amused by. The the little stifled chuckle. Yeah, because like, he knows her well enough at this point to be like, okay, yeah, I, I buy it. that. That is a very yeah. plausible story. They offered you clean clothes and a shower. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> And then Torres kind of directs himself to Dom and is like, Harris Lang has a message for you. And he pulls out another one of yeah. the little thumb drives. Dom's little USB stick. Tosses it over to Dom. Dom goes aside with Addie and watches the message from Harris. And it's very similar to the message that we saw for Arthur. Yep. And the truncated message we saw for Tess. Tess. Yep. The exception here being that there is a very palpable threat. The I'm coming for you at yeah. the end of it? Yeah. Harris is basically like, hey, Dom, here's the deal. I know that you're behind this. Shut it down. Let's talk. And if you don't, I'm coming for you. Yeah. There's this nice, like, hey, you've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> like this mercenary team, they're the peaceful solution. The next solution, not so peaceful. Yeah. He doesn't say it like that, but the implication is pretty clear. Yeah. And Dom is just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Turns it off. Turns back and is like, so here's the deal. I'm not going to negotiate until I'm in control of the island. So you give me the password to the castle. I lock it down. Then we'll talk. And at this point, Arthur's like, you could just watch it all on his face. Yeah. And I'm sure Dom wasn't looking. <laughs> no, Dom was absolutely looking. That's the problem. Oh, sorry. Yes, Dom was looking. Addie was watching. Yeah. Because she's the one who describes it. Uh, Arthur quickly realizes, oh, he still doesn't have the password. And unfortunately, he glances at Addie at that moment. And Dom catches it. And he's like, Addie, are you not 
telling me something? <laughs> but before that can get pressed, Tess interrupts and is like, it doesn't matter if you have the code to the castle because I never built you your stupid one ring. And Dom is like, oh, Tess, as usual, you just presume that me and my team can't do things without you. But the truth is, when I found out that you were a corporate spy, I stopped telling you what my team was doing. And as soon as he says corporate spy, everybody except the mercenaries, I think, is like, <gasps> Yeah, even her team, like, all take a step away from her, like, <gasps> And Arthur wheels on her, and Addie is so perplexed by this moment, because in spite of everything that has happened, this is what sets all of them off as the worst betrayal. <laughs> yeah, well, that and... The fact that her team immediately steps away from her at the accusation. Yeah, they suspect. No proof has been presented, but everybody believes it. And Tess, to be fair, tries, she's like, blah, 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 blah. That's obviously a lie. And Torres just shuts that right down with, no, we've been snooping through your files. We found the encrypted emails. Like, like, Tess, we found your emails. Like, (laughs) you're caught. Don't even bother. (laughs) But that's not the point of this either. No. I also... I want to take it back to Dom's line about how Tess has this belief that uh, he can't get anything done without her. Because there was something earlier in the chapter where when the unicorns had stopped for lunch, Addie was taking a look at them Hmm. and noted that they were very, like, when they're not in motion, they're just stopped. They're like carousel horses. Yeah, they were very soulless. There's there's nothing going on inside of them. They have no personality. And she couldn't help but contrast that with the wargs that she had seen earlier. Yes, that had... The borsts. The borsts. Terrible name. Uh, uh, Because they seemed real even when they weren't being used. Yeah, and the dragon. Same thing with the dragon. It's like they had a life outside of their utility. And the unicorns don't. And that's, I think, indicative of the difference between Dom's team and Tess's team. And Tess's yes. team. Yes. Tess's team can give something life. Dom's team can create a facsimile. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder if that might be a problem with his ring. Maybe. It might not be as functional as he thinks because his team is not as good as Tess's team. We don't know that for sure, though. Hard to say. Well, it might just be that his team isn't as good as Tess's team in this area. That's fair. Right? And we should not trust that his ring won't work, because that way leads to disaster. Yeah. Look at the the river haven that he built. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Yeah. Right? Addie's comments as she was going through the Great Dwarf Hall was, like, it's really pretty, but you can tell it's not, like, hand done. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I think maybe that's where Dom's strength lies versus Tess's strength. You know what I mean? Maybe. At any rate... Dom now switches, after Tess is kind of caught out in this moment, from making demands to gloating. And he's like, listen, Harris Lang asked me to root out the corporate spy because he knew someone was selling secrets and he knew he could trust me to not be the one who was doing that. When I found out it was Tess, I realized that people involved in corporate shenanigans shouldn't have any say in what's going on here. Corporate interests should be completely divorced from this. And that's when I turned on the shield and cut things off. Unfortunately, this is where Dom says too much. Unbeknownst to him. Because in all of what's been going on in this novel, with all of the corporate shenanigans that have been happening between the three teams and the backstabbing between the teams and Harris Lang and the corporate spying going on with Tess. The secrets, the paranoia, all of it. 
we have neglected to remember that there is one other party who has skin in this game. The Coast Guard! And this is the point where Almonte breaks ranks with Torres's team and steps forward and is like, excuse me, Dominic Brand, are you saying that you are definitely the one who activated the energy shield around this island? And Dom just smirks and is like, I'm pretty sure I just admitted that. And she's like, cool, and pulls out a badge and says, I'm Agent Leah Almonte with the Coast Guard Investigation Service. You are under arrest for the murder of 10 people. That was definitely not part of Dom's plan. Nope. And I'm curious what his fancy schmancy smug elven lawyers will say about that. Because I don't think they're going to be able to get away with that the same way they thought they could get away with stealing the island. Nope. Because there are people dead. Because there are 10 people dead and they are members of the United States Coast Guard. Yes. And that's real bad. Like, it's really bad that people died because of this shield. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. It is somehow extra bad that these were Coast Guard. And no one really has told the majority of the people on the island about this. Arthur knows. Tess knows. Dom knows. Dom knows. They haven't really told anybody else. But now kind of everybody knows. Yeah. Because Almonte just kind of dropped that bomb. Yeah. And uh, Torres is as surprised as everybody, which means Almonte, like, infiltrated his team to get on the island to investigate the crime. Yeah. I'm kind of on Almonte's side here. Here's the thing that kind of, I think it's a question of semantics, to be honest with you. She is arresting him for the murder of the crew of the Point McKinley. That's not murder, though. Well, it's- it's, This is manslaughter, Yes, because manslaughter is unintentional. Yes, exactly. He did not put up the shield to kill people. But people died because of him. She's not charging him. She's arresting him. There's a difference. Yes, that's true. Uh, number one. Number two, manslaughter is still murder. It's just... Unintentional Unintentional murder. See, that's the semantics I was. Yeah. I needed to sort through. Um, okay. She is arresting him for the murder of 10 people. Whether or not he ends up getting charged with first, second, or third degree murder, which third degree murder is manslaughter, manslaughter. is immaterial because that's not her job. That's true. That's a lawyer and a judge's job. See? Okay. See, these are the semantics I needed. But here's the more important thing. All through her time in Riverhaven, dealing with Dom, immersed in this fantasy, Addie's been wondering how Dom could have completely lost grip with reality. And Almonte in this moment is taking reality and smacking him right in the face with it. Oh, so hard. And you know what? I found it very satisfying. (laughs) It's definitely a cool moment. I it's, really did. I it's was off like, script because Torres definitely did not want that to happen. This is the Leroy Jenkins moment. This is the Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> I was like, oh, on the one hand, like, this is a, what is happening? And on the other hand, I was like, yeah, get him. <laughs> you go, girl. Because Dom does need to answer for that crime. Yeah. He was so blasé about it. He was he was. And he was so. He was like, oh, people died. That's unfortunate. And he was so self-assured. That he had everything under control, and in this moment, it all comes apart because an out-of-context problem just arrived. Yep. And that was the United States Coast Guard is angry that 10 people are dead. No kidding! (laughs) And they want someone to answer for it, and they don't care about Harris Lang and his stupid island and his stupid people and their stupid corporate games. Right. They care that 10 Coast Guard officers are dead and a ship is at the bottom of the ocean. Yes, and rightly so. Yeah. Now we have a problem, though, back on the micro level, because now nobody trusts anybody. 
nobody trusts Dom because he's enacted some sort of, or he's trying to enact a much bigger mutiny he's, he's than trying he's already to, done. He's enacting a coup, yeah. Basically. No one trusts Tess because she's been outed as a corporate spy. Yeah. So, like, nobody's going to trust anybody now. They're a great big mess. Arthur is still trustworthy. Yes. That's about it. Though it's very possible Arthur's playing his own game because, number one, we still don't know where that second ring came from. And it was found in Arthur's land. And as you pointed out, I think last episode, it could have been Arthur's. It could have been Arthur's. And he could have been secretly planning to take over the island. Number two, he had that Triforce of Power. We still don't know what that's about. Right. And he was real cagey about what it might be. I know. So, don't know. Arthur could be playing his own game. But of the three managers at the moment, he is the most on side. <laughs> at least thus far. Yeah. And I mean, Torres is seemingly pretty on the up and up. So... Torres probably still has to take the castle. He may or may not have to do it alone. <laughs> he might just leave the warring factions behind to argue their petty arguments. Yeah. And just storm the castle by himself, taking Addy with him. It's very the gates of Erebor. Addy even thinks like, well, we've got four armies. <laughs> right? We're just missing the eagles. That, that's, yeah. If eagles show up, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Uh, Throw though, the book in frustration. Though in, in that context, if... Tess is the dwarves, and Arthur is the men of Lake Town, and Dom is Thranduil and his elves. That would make Torres and his team the orcs. <laughs> the orcs and goblins. Oh, that's not great. I hate to say it. That's not great. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. No, 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 no. This is all wrong. And poor Addy is just Bilbo in the middle. <laughs> poor Addy. But that's where the chapter ends. With a twist. With a twist. I genuinely don't know what's happening next. Well, I... Because we, because we cut on this cliffhangery, twisty bit. I'm going to assume all hell breaks loose. Yes? Tess has been outed as a corporate spy. Dom has just been accused of murder by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go quietly. His plan is shot in this moment. Because now, do you think Arthur and Tess are going to side with him after this? Because he was so sure they were going to side with him. He was basically like, come with me. We can do this together. Together, this was, we can rule the galaxy. This was his pitch to them in this I moment, know. and it all just got nuked. He's like, he's like, Tess, Arthur, we can do this, and then, and then Almonte's like, oh, by the way, you're under arrest for ten murders. Yeah, I would not want to be on that side. I, one of the people with guns, am arresting you for ten murders. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Whoopsie. There goes your plan. Right. And I don't think Arthur and Tess are going to be. So eager to join him in this moment now. Definitely not. I wouldn't. Yeah. So, turns out Dom maybe doesn't deserve this. And number two, wasn't in control of the situation. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Who could have called that at the beginning of the chapter? I mean, we already knew that the mercenaries were something that he needed to deal with, but he was so sure he had them figured out too, because he knew that they were working for Harris Lang. And he thinks he's one step ahead of Lang. He never accounted for the Coast Guard. They're a completely out of context problem for him in this moment. Yep. What a shock. Dom didn't think something all the way through. And that's his MO. We know that because of stuff Addy has told us about him before. He's very good at coming up with like step one, this, step eight, this, and we'll just kind of figure out the stuff in between on the way. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like before when I talked about his plan, I'm like, that's not a plan. That's a goal. Like, that's a terrible plan. At any rate, that's where we're going to end it for this week. 
Uh, and I assume a very exciting chapter lies ahead in chapter 25, which you're going to want to read up on in time for next week. I am excited to read this next chapter. I want to see what happens. In the meantime, here is a message from our friends at the Alberta Podcast Network. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a a change to your billing and you can feel good knowing you are helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. You can check out more about all of the sponsors of the network as well as all of the member podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Uh, when you're there, you'll probably find another podcast you'd like to check out. You can probably download it on your podcatcher of choice, which, hey, is probably where you're catching this pod. Well, yeah. That just makes sense. You could maybe give us a little rating and a review. Oh, yes, please. That'd be nice. You can reach out to us on social media. Yeah, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along for most of them. We try to be easy to find. Yeah, you can also easily email us. Absolutely. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. So excited to see what happens. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>